0: Welcome to All Things Photonics, a podcast about the physical science of light, driving scientific innovation in the 21st century. I'm Joel Williams, Associate Editor at Photonics Media. Join us as we explore the latest trends in optics, lasers, microscopy, and spectroscopy. Each episode, you'll hear from leading voices from across the photonics landscape, brought to you by Photonics Media. Today's episode is sponsored by Block Engineering, a manufacturer of widely tunable mid-infrared lasers based on quantum cascade laser technology. Block's lasers are designed for spectroscopy, imaging, and other applications that require highly precise and stable illumination with flexible programming. Please visit www.blockeng.com for more information. The episode is also sponsored by Zimia your number one camera manufacturer for industrial, commercial, and scientific applications, creating the best innovations in the market. They specialize in unique custom and off-the-shelf solutions for every need. Visit www.ximea.com today.
1: On October 4th, the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences announced its decision to award the 2023 Nobel Prize in Chemistry to a trio of photochemists for the discovery and development of quantum dots. At the time of the announcement, the ink had hardly dried on the October 3rd announcement that the Nobel Prize in Physics was to be awarded to three light science luminaries for their contributions to attosecond science. It was a gratifying 24 hours for us and others in the photonics world, as such in the days and weeks that followed, interest intensified in the two rewarded technologies. It was clear in abundance that quantum dots and the Addosecond timescale were ripe for exploration. As is our practice, we've commenced exploration through application. And so we called up Peter Lodahl, head of the Quantum Photonics Group at the University of Copenhagen and the Niels Bohr Institute, as well as director of the Danish National Research Foundation Center for Hybrid Quantum Networks. Lodahl, as his title suggests, is a quantum practitioner. What isn't immediately clear, though vital to his story, is that Lodal's decades of exploration into and with quantum dot technology has helped the nanoparticle ascend to its current place in the realm of photonic innovation. The working group of more than 40 scientists dedicated to advancements in quantum dot technology that Lodal leads today is In many ways, a prime indicator of the success and diversity of success that Lodal has achieved in his work with quantum dots. Such status is not so easily obtained, much less sustained. In our exploration of application, though, we take our conversation with Lodal to Sparrow Quantum, 2015 founded company questing to bring photon based quantum compute to reality. Sparrow's on chip single photon source is the technological enabler for the end-users poised to ultimately achieve that reality. Within that framework, Sparrow has developed light-matter interfaces to function as the core hardware component needed to achieve compute. These interfaces are multifaceted. They are also envisioned to support secure quantum communications, for example. Supporting this technology in this quest, the humble, though recently celebrated, quantum dot. The evolution of the source and its role in single-photon sourcing, light-matter interfacing and coupling, and quantum-optical computing is up next.
2: The secret source of Sparrow is the deterministic light-matter interfaces, the photon-emitter interfaces, that we are deterministically interfacing a single entity of light, photon, to a single entity of matter an atom or solid state atom, a quantum dot in our case, and that's a that's a building block that has applications for a wide range of areas in uh, communication in particular. So that's the single photon source aspect. So you will uh, create single photons on demand and that you can do uh, secure quantum encryption with such a single photon source, but it's also a Qubit platform for for photonic quantum computing. And indeed Sparrow, how we see ourselves in Sparrow is that we are not a full stack company. We are providers of building blocks, foundational building blocks that didn't exist before. A deterministic single photon source didn't exist before that we have developed and is now commercially available. And we want to provide that to the system providers that are actually building quantum communication systems, quantum internets, building photonic quantum computer, And our speciality is the quality of the qubits that we are generating. So uh, all quantum is a, is a specs game, so it's really about the high quality. That's because of the <laughs> Um, No cloning theorem of quantum information. I cannot copy a quantum state Uh, that's uh, simply forbidden. So I have to have very high quality qubit and keep qubits and keep them alive and keep them coherent and and generate them with these very good properties. And that's what our technology is specifically aimed at. So we want to be providers, chip providers for uh, systems, for entities, companies, building systems in these various areas.
3: Within the photonics I guess ecosystem, quantum is a, a a somewhat difficult within the photonics ecosystem, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Quantum is a, a somewhat difficult ecosystem itself to to figure out. And Sparrow is a I'll call it a new company. It's not a baby company. It's been around since twenty sixteen, founded in twenty fifteen. This role that you've taken on within the quantum ecosystem to be an enabler for those building Something closer to a full stack system. When did you identify this as a need, and, and maybe the best way to support further growth within the quantum field and the quantum photonic field?
2: Yeah, so th- indeed, this is something we have been, been developing that roadmap for Sparrow since since we we started it already back in 2015. So so back then it's a, this is a spin out company from from academia. So it, we we and it came out of really the understanding that our building blocks work really well. It was basic physics before that. We were studying the fundamental properties of quantum dots and photonic nanostructures, studying the decoherence process, and out of that came that it works extremely well. So for that reason, I founded Sparrow because that was an ambition to take the technology to the next level. But how? What? What's your commercial strategy in order to create real value? This is something we have been developing in the early years of Sparrow because we were toying with, with different plans we could be a full stack quantum computing company we could be a quantum internet or uh, quantum communication company we could be a chip providers also for a broader range of applications there were various opportunities but we realized that our strength is really this high quality light matter interfaces and we want to build on that also to not to not spread the company too thin too early and I think that uh, we will also see in quantum, as quantum is getting more and more advanced, that we will see specialized companies specializing, being the world champs in parts of the of of the, of the full stack quantum computing, that that's where the value will be created. Because building quantum technology is so demanding uh, that, that you cannot be a champion, or it's at least hard to be a champion champion in all, from quantum materials to uh qubit benchmarking, to uh, processing of quantum information, to applications, to detection and so on. I mean, so so that's I I truly believe that being with world champ on key technology area, which is uh, which is the case here with the deterministic light matter interfaces, the photon sources. That is the best way to make value creation and sustainable company. Uh, And that has been our strategy, something that we have developed and really took off also within the past few years. Our focus has been to get to the customers and get a happy customer, get happy customers, obviously, and bringing that product. It's a product that didn't exist on the market before. So we are evangelizing a market. We are evangelizing technology on the market. And the best way of doing that is really to get, get it out in the hands of the customers, getting the feedback from them that Sparrow produces the best single photon source chip technology in the world and then grow your company from there.
3: So the, the relationship between quantum and commercial is is famously challenging. And I think there are several reasons for that part of it and I can speak with my most knowledge from what's happening here in the U.S., but it's taken just a long time to explain quantum to the, the those in, in government or the decision makers who have the power to to fund or otherwise move this technology forward or enable those who are moving the technology forward. That's probably not the only reason that quantum is, is challenging. You just mentioned the, the number of systems and components and aspects that are required to enable quantum to move forward. But with Sparrow, you've got single photon sources, light matter coupling, quantum information processing—all as sort of the ultimate. That three-part dynamic. Did you identify that quickly when you were in academia, or did that come later for you? That that relationship is the path forward for you.
2: No, that has been there all the time. And You can say from my academic career that this is that—that's what I have been advancing, and and that has been my research interest. You can say having a serious contender uh, that you have a, a seriously scalable platform. This is something that just happened to be the case in in, in our system. Quantum dots and photonic nanostructures, is that a scalable platform? Is that a promising platform? Well, when I started working on this 20 years ago, we certainly didn't know because there were a lot of physics to be resolved first, first and understood first before you could judge whether, uh, whether it looks promising. And there, I should also emphasize um, that our focus has very much been to have the theoretical understanding of your hardware building blocks very, very closely connected to your experiments. And I think that is, uh, you were asking about secret source. I think that's part of the secret source of our development here that we have really tried to understand the physical processes. And I would say it's a very universal thing in quantum. Quantum is so different. Scaling up quantum is so different It's than, than any other <laughs> technology we have ever developed. So there are no quick fixes. And so, so so if you just start to scale and start to build without really, really understanding the ins and outs of your building block, my claim would be that you will be scaling in vain. And I would say that is what happened on our platform after 10 years of of. of Fun research. It turned out to work very well. The the specs were extremely good, and we have identified the physical mechanisms for the small uh, infidelities that are still in the system. And then you have something to work with. So so that's why it's, it started to become technology. It started to become spin out. In my case, uh, that was simply because a building block started to look promising. It could have not turned out like that, and then I would have not start. I wouldn't have started Sparrow Quantum. It's not to now we all have startups and, we, and there's a little hype <laughs> in quantum about uh, startups. And so I don't consider myself as in, into that. It's cool to have a startup. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. But I do it generally because I want to advance a platform that I believe has potential. That's why we do it. <laughs>
3: I was just going to say that you know one of the interesting things that's happening, we talk about quantum a lot. We've talked about quantum a lot to begin this this discussion. One of the interesting things that's happening, maybe coincidentally, is that quantum dots are having a moment in the sun, right? There's, there's yes. nothing quite like a Nobel Prize to do that. And that's been your focus for a long time. Curious how you began, uh, and this probably occurred in academia, at least partially, how you began to bridge quantum dot technology with quantum technology yes. as we
2: know it. Yes. Yeah, so so I was interested, I'm an atomic physicist by training, and I was interested in a little bit new systems, physical system. I always liked solid state systems, but um, so I I was attracted by this solid state quantum dots doing quantum optics experiments like we're used to in atomic physics, but in a solid state setting. Then solid state also means that it, it the technology and the scaling up becomes more viable right I mean because and then you can really grow and fabricate and, and, and make chips and so on but that was actually not why I, why I started I was just interested in, in the physics of these systems in this process to really digging into that it started to to work very well and and that that's where this technology aspect came about and indeed now uh, there's a, like with many platforms you know, there will be ups and downs I think quantum dots have been around for quite some time and there's also a tendency, a little bit, in okay. Then we have seen and heard about these quantum dots for a while, and what's new, and is it making any progress? And I think this field has been making steady progress, and that, and that's what we are that's what we're exploiting now. That's what that, that's what we are building on now. Uh, but only uh, us, really experts working on it would appreciate uh, the actual process. And i think it's symptomatic also for, for many platforms it's tempting to jump to the next promising emitter and if i should um kind of say uh, uh, emphasize uh, some of the things that we, are, we we are good at in, in europe i mean there are many things that, that we can learn a lot from from you guys in the us but maybe a little bit more patience in, in the european system <laughs> yeah. so i'm sometimes invited into the u.s and and to, because and say, hey, how come that you guys could run quantum dots for so many years? We gave up on quantum dots long ago in, in the US because <laughs> it was not sufficient progress. And I tell about it, it's a little bit more patient way of, of doing research, which may be good and bad. I'm not saying it's it's only good, right? I mean, no, it, it's, it, but it comes but with but it, uh, it a
3: lot. Yep.
2: Because the risk is that that you you are ending being good at something that, that is not very interesting. And you're just uh, spinning around in that. I've always told myself, and I actually been quite deliberate about that as we went along that I should be ready to give up this quantum dot at the moment we're taking over on the highway by something that just is is running at a higher pace and and I haven't uh, done this switch yet I'm a little bit of a stopping type of person but yeah so so maybe that has kept me on this track for for, for a longer time but we are, I'm running a group of, of 30 people exclusively doing quantum dots and I think that's rare for compared to other Groups of that size would typically do a little bit of different things. We have exclusively been been working on this platform, and um, and that's a gamble also. I mean, uh, and it still is. I mean, uh, maybe maybe something else will come up and and, and beat us. Uh, maybe we we have learned a lot during this process. So you could also jump. The the question is just, can you jump when you fall so much in love with with your with, with your with your little quantum dots? <laughs>
3: If you haven't figured it out already, quantum dots are challenging, right? They, they were famously difficult to use for application, even after they were described in the literature and discovered. I you know I don't even know yeah. if it's been 20 years since like demonstrated control over their emission. That that even no. um, yeah. is recent too. I mean, is there an appeal for you for doing things that are just hard in addition to
2: new? <laughs> hmm. Interesting question. No, it doesn't have to be hard per se. It it's really dear to me that I believe. I believe in what we are doing, that I can see a route forward. So, so for me, it really starts with, with the physics and also the, very much the theoretical understanding of the physical processes. And that's where you you, you see, you, that based on that, you create your roadmaps. And these roadmaps we have really been creating for, for tolerant quantum computing, for uh, one-way quantum repeaters, for device-independent quantum key distribution. So based on... On, these, on the quantum dots in photonic nanostructure. So really setting goals, uh, bars for, for, for performance, uh, metrics for the performance that you need to reach and seeing that this is possible on this platform. I mean, that's what motivates me. Not, not that it's hard or easy. Uh, quantum is hard. <laughs> it just so turns out that the scaling up is extremely hard. I also like hard challenges, I, I must admit. <laughs> but I'm not picking it because it has to be hard. I'm picking it because of the understanding of the opportunities for this platform, and maybe it's because one I want to, I want to know something about, right? I can see a a, a route for that. Also know about atomic systems. I come from there, so when I picked this one because of the physics, and then it turned into uh, these opportunities that motivates me really a lot. And I think for scientists, it's also a lot about actually intuition. <laughs> so so somehow having an intu- intuitive idea of what works and what doesn't i think when i'm when i'm looking back on also some of the the directions that we have taken and the choices we've made We make many choices of course of 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 exactly how how your group is directed i think many of them i could probably not have argued exactly at this point in time we took them why Uh, i would have a hunch and an idea and i and i think looking back then then many of these decisions were very very good and have been important for 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 where we are standing today why do you work on a photonic crystal based platform and not on a vertical cavity based platform for instance good reasons for that but and that has to be robustness and and wide bandwidth and easier to control the electric field and so on but all this insight has also been gradually coming Uh, i think we had an intuition of 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 some of these advantages, but really yeah. you no know, putting it on the spot and saying that's why, that is really hard. Those, those are
3: two great examples, right? And it, it sort of brings together this this intuition versus um, prospect for success. I think that's very helpful um, yeah. to just to get inside the head of of, of those who are, are doing the work. I I did want to just go back to on ship single photon sources. That's what Sparrow has has focused on recently. But I think it's also fair to say that the the newness of the quantum market and the newness of on chip technologies present some challenges. Were there any challenges, either stemming from those aspects or from anything else, that made commercialization particularly challenging for Sparrow?
2: I think that the challenge uh, has been completely new technology, right? I mean, it's uh, so the challenges are twofold. First of all, of course, one thing is that you're you, you're demonstrating in the research lab and you're writing a, a great publication uh, about this and it works and and you understand it, but then also get it to work so that it's a product and you can put it in the hands of a customer that can operate your your chips and so that's clearly something that that Sparrow has been putting really efforts into to, to do that and also to 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 train the staff at Sparrow to be able to to deliver that, because it's really cutting edge. Uh, we have some fantastic people in Sparrow and, 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 and great uh, young people really executing and making the chips and characterizing the chips. And, and, and that's, that's a key thing. The other challenge I would say uh, has been, uh, so who wants to buy it? so 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 there are many leads so when you go out and say would you be interested and, oh yeah, sure that sounds exciting and but then from from that to an actual purchase because then you say oh but now now you provide so many photons but how would i actually put it into my experiment and and the, it, it's not that there's just a market uh, that is already there and that has been purchasing them uh, each sale here is 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 really a, a virgin sale <laughs> uh, also a, a, a getting it into getting our technology into their labs i mean once it's there they're really really excited about it but but they would need to know (laughs) how they operate and and what does it mean for their lab what does it mean for the cryostat that they are having in their lab what does it mean for the excitation laser what does it mean for the detection and so on so there's quite some process there that has to build up all from scratch when you're commercializing something uh, completely new so i think those have been the the major really technical challenges i think that Technology has been really strong and and very mature, and really exploiting all this research that that we have been doing has been a major set, of course, for, for Sparrow to say, hey, look at all this uh, fantastic st- stuff that has been done on this platform. That that's that's good uh, advertisement, of course, of the, of the technology.
3: So if you're at Photonics West or or, or another trade show, I don't know if Photonics West is the the be all and end all for you. That's not the point. Uh, When you're having these conversations about a new product or a new solution, right? You've had these conversations before, but you've had a lot of them on the other side as as the researcher, as the integrator, the end user, how do those conversations often go? I mean, is there a lot of explaining of the technology and the product? Um, Is there a lot of trying to identify the, what the end user is um, endeavoring to do and, you know, trying to outline for that end user how the solution that you're bringing to the table works in that system. What's going on in those dialogues?
2: Yeah, indeed, there's all kinds of dialogues both on on how does the technology work? I mean, our customers are are really interested in that and also very interested in what are the future prospects of this technology? We didn't talk so much about that, right? But but this is a single photon source, but it's also an entanglement source. It's also uh, quantum nonlinearity for for photons. It may even become a quantum transducer between microwaves and and optical frequencies. So the customers are really, really interested in these applications also that are beyond uh, the product that Sparrow sells today. So we spend a lot of time on on talking about that and actually a lot of excitement also leading to the sales is is actually that the customer sees, okay, this starts to look so promising for the more really advanced long term roadmap that I have from my lab or from my uh, company. So we really want to engage and, and, and learn how to operate these systems. So there will also be partnerships often with us as a company. Uh, that if uh, photonic quantum computing companies could be engaging uh, with us and and really we can start to make our hardware fit into their application. So that would be that kind of. Then there are also certainly very low practical um, questions about, okay, so what's the purity and distinguishability? uh, uh, What modes do the photons come out and what repetition rate? And asking our input on, okay, so uh, how do I multiplex uh, the source? I want to do a five photon experiment. Uh, how do I multiplex, uh, demultiplex the source to realize that? And, and of course, it's not Sparrow's business to give that advice. But in reality, at this early stage of commercialization, where, where our customers are important to us, uh, so important, I suppose always important with your customers. Uh, but we're at this very early stage that. We are interested in dialogue with the customer also because we learn about it also as a company. Because learning about their application helps us to gain knowledge about where where's our technology uh, interesting, and and they will learn from us because we have been doing quite a, a lot of that. And I mean, many of our employees are, are, are recruited from from uh, have been working in this area also before academically, so they will have quite some knowledge to to exploit for the customer.
3: Yeah, I- I think of progress in single-photon emission detection, uh, conversion, certainly, and that's that's a pretty hot thing in the commercial space right now. I, I would say it's an apparent trend in the commercial space, uh, yeah. and there have been some great advances, but you mentioned the future prospects for the technology. What are some future applications or future technology gains for for Sparrow or for the technology with which Sparrow is working um, that you see in the next, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years?
2: I think photonic quantum computing is clearly the, I would almost say our technology is uh, born for, uh, ready for. I mean, we are are generating these uh, photons on deterministically, on demand. We can generate entangled photons on demand, so cluster states, photonic cluster states that you can fuse into larger scale. cluster states and entangled states to do measurement-based quantum computing. So PsyQuantum uh, in Silicon Valley is building full-blown fault-tolerant quantum computing technology with probabilistic uh, sources, so spontaneous down-conversion sources uh, and four-way mixing sources to start with, so probabilistic sources. I think it's clear that that our approach here uh, with the deterministic sources could potentially really disrupt the way the photons are generated. And, and that's that's where I see. I mean, this 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 quantum dot uh, sources are really fitting very very nicely into these kind of applications. Quantum communication, absolutely. Also, so for distributing entanglement, so in quantum networks, uh, for device independent quantum key distribution. The quantum key distribution is 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 there, right? And you can buy the systems. We have also demonstrated our hardware on a on a quantum key distribution uh, link uh, to to uh, here in the Copenhagen area of 15 kilometers on a, on a on a deployable fiber so this 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 demonstration we have already done you can say is there a need to use our quantum dot sources for quantum key distribution over uh, of quantum key distribution links uh, maybe it's a relatively expensive technology right uh, so, uh, do you need the the Rolls Royce uh, single photon source technology, or why not just you just use attenuated pulse lasers or continuous variables implementation of cheaper technology? And the answer to that is that for the advanced quantum communication protocol, so for distributing entanglement, for doing fully device independent quantum key distribution, where you're securing not just the link between Alice and Bob, but also the apparatus that Alice and Bob uh, is using to, to to communicate with each other. This technology that we are developing, and that we are that is our focus of developing that really high spec, high end quantum sources would be needed. So 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 think of of our technology as something for the more advanced uh, type of quantum application, quantum repeaters, so one way quantum repeaters where you are encoding. A qubit uh in a in an entangled state and that makes it robust towards loss so you can send you can send qubits over extended distances by using an, an entangled state for, for for sending information so so that's where we will see applications of our technology and th- that's where we want because you can say we could also go other direction we could focus on our sources operate at 4 Kelvin. Uh, there's a reason for that, and that has to do with this high specs here that, that I'm talking about. We could also work on taking that to room temperature and 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 then get uh, much lower specs in the co- uh, quality of the single photons. But that's not really where we want to go because I think our technology is really geared at at these advanced applications: quantum computing, quantum simulation. so so I mean uh, more specialized uh, uh, analog quantum computers uh, for. Targeting quantum chemistry problems and advanced quantum communication protocols like uh, entanglement distribution, device independence, sure. and so on. I have a two-part question
3: uh, to, to end for you, and I, I don't mean to conflate quantum computing and the quantum internet. For the sake of this question, it's probably better to use quantum internet as the qualifier, but like progress in, in quantum computing as a whole and the quantum internet within that hasn't happened in a vacuum in the last little while, last five years. It's, it's been pretty impressive, pretty robust, and pretty meaningful. From your perspective, from where you sit on the value chain, or where Sparrow sits on the value chain, how do you chart the progress in the last five years? I mean, is it failing to address the major bottleneck? Is it moving us towards addressing the major bottleneck, or are we, you know, better off than we thought? Maybe we would be.
2: There's there's a there's a spectrum of, of of activities here. I would say uh, in some cases, indeed, uh, it's uh, making not so much progress and maybe taking wrong choices, and 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 also some cases things are being oversold uh, somewhat. I would say on the, on the very serious end of the, of the spectrum of activities, I'm truly impressed about the progress uh, in quantum in general, in quantum computing, but also in quantum communication. I think there's really, really impressive and serious advancements that I, I don't think I would have expected to happen so far. So, so overall, I must say for the for the high end part of, of, of the technology development, it's moving fast. But that said, the, the advanced applications are also incredibly difficult. So fault tolerant universal quantum computing is incredibly difficult. But does that mean that there's no value creation before we get to full fault tolerant digital quantum computer? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, uh, and I certainly think that we will find value creation for, for all this advanced hardware that we are uh, that we are developing. And it's actually funny. I'm, a general trend is that that we uh, hardware people tend to be the most uh, optimistic ones nowadays. I mean, ten years ago it was, was the opposite. All our hardware people say, "Oh, how easy and take um, Let's see, and it's really difficult. And all the Siri guys and the algorithm guys would say, "Oh, yeah, fantastic and <laughs> five years." And, and now it seems to be reversed. And I think the reason for that is that 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 we get really excited about the hardware progress that that is there i mean it's it, it that's really advancement on, on the hardware <laughs> uh, and and that's truly inspiring and also of course in the in in the resources uh, and also the people <laughs> that are attracted to this field the right brilliant minds that really really tackle people and with resources uh, at, at a different completely different level than than it was 10 years ago that means that we do move move fast. It's really <laughs> challenging, and it's uh and it's difficult to say. Yeah, we we don't have any precise roadmap where this where this will go. But value will be created for sure. I have no doubt about that at all. Uh, that that this technology development we are doing here is really really important. And also we will find that this is um, other technology areas will be piggybacking on 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 the quantum development. I mean. In, in, in photonics, it's obvious that all these integrated circuit advancements that we need for quantum. I mean, we'll, we'll find applications in IT and green IT, other areas. Well, uh, high-efficient optical interconnects and, and chip technology. That is really important as part of the sustainability um, agenda. So, so that's what also excites me about. We are really pushing boundaries in quantum because it's so hard, and that has that has value much more than what we than, than what we can imagine. I would say.
3: So amid all this great opportunity and, and I, I, you know, dare I say, anticipated progress, which I think we we will be seeing, I think that's safe to to assume. I'll put you on the spot to end here. If you had to boil it down to one preeminent bottleneck that is either slowing progress or, I suppose, worse, preventing it, what would that bottleneck be?
2: I think it's maybe more like like a, like a solution or, or what I think where value will be created is where you have true. Interdisciplinarity and truly teams working closely together. I think there's a there's a risk here if you are dividing your development up in, in silos that are doing uh, separate things and don't talk to each other. I think that's a that's a risk here. I say I have a quantum dot and I know everything about the quantum dot. And I'm in love with that, and I pitch that uh, big time, but I don't connect it to the people that will be processing the photons, the people that will be and the end application and the use cases. And so I think it's these pipelines that involves much more than physicists. It involves the engineers and physicists, but also the quantum algorithm people and the mathematicians and the end user and the chemistry and, and uh, or biochemistry. And I think the challenge is really to get that to work together. It's also a very, it's a wonderful challenge because it's interdisciplinarity is is really exciting when it works, but it's also extremely hard because we speak different languages and it's also about people to some extent, right? That that should should work together. So make these teams of a a sufficient size and and still keep it coherent. That's I think that's a non-trivial exercise of mankind ha, ha, has has done this. Uh, put a man on the moon and, and build CERN in, in Switzerland and uh, the Manhattan Project and so on. But it's these kind of organisms <laughs> that, that will and they can consist of several companies and, and, and industrial and, and academic partners and so on. But truly working together, I think that's a challenge. It's a wonderful challenge. And we should quote uh, Richard Feynman, the wonderful challenge because it doesn't look so easy. Uh, it's a wonderful problem because it doesn't look so easy. That's how he introduced quantum computers uh, back in the 80s. Um, <laughs> and here we are. Yes.
3: <laughs> well, we anticipated fantastic insights and we got them from Peter Lodol from Sparrow Quantum and the Center of Excellence for Hybrid Quantum Networks. Peter, thank you so much for, for taking the time and speaking with us. Really appreciated the chat.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: That concludes this week's episode of All Things Photonics. Thank you to our engineer, Alan Shepard, and to our news editor, Jake Saltzman, as well as to this week's sponsors. Our featured music is courtesy of betterwithmusic.com. Most of all, thank you, our listeners. As always, you can share your thoughts, pitch us ideas, and let us know how we're doing. You can reach us at allthingsatphotonics.com. All Things Photonics is available on all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as on our website, photonics.com.